Welcome to Everyday Martial Artist, a weekly podcast where you'll join me, Brian Doucet, as I interview a different martial artist each episode and hear their story. Some guests you may have heard of, and some you probably haven't. Be sure to subscribe where all your favorite podcasts are available. Also, visit our website at everydaymartialartist.com. If you're listening for a specific interview, I sure hope you'll stay and check out the other episodes. A very special thank you to Topher Williams for our custom theme music. And now, the newest episode of Everyday Martial Artist. Everyday Martial Artist is brought to you by KOonline.com for all your martial arts needs. Sparring and safety gear, rank belts, uniforms, weapons, patches, and more. Wholesale supplies made by martial artists for martial artists. Visit us today at KO-Online.com. Hello and welcome to Everyday Martial Artist. I'm your host, Brian Doucette, and as we do every week, we're joined by a brand new guest talking about their life and their journey throughout the world of martial arts. My guest today is an actress, director, stuntwoman, author, and martial artist. As an actress and stuntwoman, she's worked on such projects as Moonlighting, Blade, Barbed Wire, Jag, Walker, Texas Ranger, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Rent, Leverage, and most recently you saw her as Morgan Elsbeth in The Mandalorian. She made her directorial debut and wrote and starred in the 2008 movie, The Sensei, which I absolutely loved. She has appeared on the covers of numerous martial arts magazines and was Black Belt's magazine's Woman of the Year in 2009. She was literally born into the martial arts world, with her godfather being the legendary Bruce Lee, and her father, one of the only people given the title of Jeet Kune Do teacher by Bruce Lee, Dan Inosanto. Please welcome my guest today, Diana Lee Inosanto. How are you doing today, Diana? Hi. Hello, everyone. <laughs> Hello, Brian. Thank you for having me on. Thank you for doing this. I I truly appreciate it. It's an absolute honor to have you on the show. How we like to start things off, I want to go back to the beginning. I know it's, like I said, you were born into martial arts, but I'm I'm just wondering, at what age did you first start and did you have a say in it at that age? Oh, wow. Uh, Yeah. So literally, yeah, I was born into the martial arts world. I mean, it's definitely my heritage, my culture. It's always been around me. I, I, I wouldn't know anything different, you know, because growing up, everything around our home was martial arts related, you know, from magazines to books to paintings and uh, statues, little statues floating around the home. I mean, it was swords, you know, weaponry on the, on the walls, you know, I mean, everything, uh, everything martial arts, uh, in my background. And so I couldn't get away from it. And, um, I didn't understand because sometimes as a child, if I visited another friend's home, I could distinctly see a difference between their home (laughs) decorations and their home environment that I lived a very unique life. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then of course with the people I would see, I mean, I, I grew up seeing a lot of the who's who, although I didn't know who they were other than they were just, you know, friends or family, like, uh, you know, colleagues of, of my dad and my mom. So, uh, especially uncle Bruce. So, yeah. So, um, yeah. So yeah, I was, that's kind of the way it was for me. So then when you got to the age where you could make the decision, what made you want to keep going with it and make martial arts part of your life at that point? Well, I mean, okay. So from the time I was a baby, Mm -hmm. toddler, my dad in a way made martial arts like play. So I had no idea that I was being trained in it. It was just something that was just playful to me. I I really didn't understand it. You know what I mean? Um, So like, for instance, it could be like, I'm I'm in the middle of, you know, playing with my Barbie dolls and he would like, Hey, honey, punch this. Hey, punch that. (laughs) Isn't this fun? Or I would be in a restaurant and he'd go, 
oh, look, honey, if somebody brings a knife to you, and he would also get a butter knife, trust me, it wasn't a real knife at uh -huh. the time, but how would you disarm this knife? This is what you do. You know, so he made it really playful. And wow. sometimes, you know, I thought it was funny. And other times I was like, dad, come on, you know, <laughs> can I have a break, you know? But, um, but when I first was cognizant that I desired mm -hmm. to be a martial arts, it's probably when I actually got in a fight um, outside our home somewhere. <laughs> and I kind of was beginning to understand, oh, you know what, this this stuff could be really handy. And I remember my father, I was telling him the story because I was so upset because I, I had this one girl like push me down. I was in roller skates and I was just so angry, you know, and he's like, okay, well, then I will train you. And he... <laughs> I just remember he was trying to train me privately and one by one, the students were coming over. We we used to have this huge gym that still stands to this day in Carson, California. Mm -hmm. And uh, people are like, you know, Sifu, what's going on? He goes, oh, my daughter had an incident and she wants to train, you know, and it was just kind of, now when I think about it, it's really cute. And he just kind of throw me in there with the men, you know, because I was the only girl. I was literally a little girl and he just kind of throw me in there. And if I got tired, he let me just kind of walk off and do my thing. But um, yeah, that was kind of my introduction to being cognizant that it is kind of handy to know something to protect yourself. And then as I got older, you know, I had my rebellious stages. I wanted to kind of follow in mom's footsteps. So I would study dance. And my aunt, uh, Lilia, who was my father's sister, she was an actress. So I was also inspired by her to be in the theater arts. So mm -hmm. I had quite a diverse kind of background within the family. And, uh, but then when I really decided to really commit to my heritage and culture, honestly, was when I found myself as a single mom with an autistic son wow. and I needed some peace of mind. I needed somewhere to feel a connection maybe to my roots mm -hmm. and my heritage and my culture. I mean, my grandmother always encouraged me as well as my dad to just kind of always remember your roots, remember where you're from. And so it was the one thing I realized that would help me deal with the kind of stress that I, I was uh, facing back then when my, my son back in the 90s was uh, diagnosed with autism. And so that was really where I made the commitment. And who knew that would lead me to a path to where I would inevitably be sought out as a stunt woman, you know, because I would try being an actress. Mm -hmm. But I never thought about really putting my martial skills to it. You know what I mean? I just, I kind of separated them in my mind for some reason. And um, before you knew it, I mean, my career as a stunt woman blossomed, you know. And then, gosh, who knew that it would just lead to Star Wars to do Mandalorian, yeah. you know? Who knew? So. Yeah. Oh, and I, and I definitely want to get to that for sure a little bit. But, okay. but so I'm curious, how did the Hollywood thing start? I mean, was it just because you knew all the people through your dad and stuff? Or I mean, how did that, how did your first movie come about? Or my your first, first TV movie? show? Yeah. Uh, is a stunt woman? Well, okay. So or I, an let actor, me whichever was first. Yeah. A little bit. So when I was uh, 18, 17, 18, mm -hmm. I had auditioned as a dancer for the 1984. This is going to suggest my age. <laughs> uh, but for the 1984, Olympic ceremonies. They were grabbing young girls who could dance and cheerlead and do really? routines. So that was really kind of my way into the business is was through dancing and uh, cheerleading. <laughs> Which is, you're the first person I ever told this to. So, um, <laughs> and then there was some woman 
kind of going, hey, by the way, there's this show called First and Ten. I can't remember what network it was. I think it was, was HBO. on HBO. Yeah, First and Ten, yeah, the, the Bulls. And, and they needed background <laughs> actors. I'm thinking actor, but of course, emphasis on background actor. But that was my first step on my own, just getting into the business. Wow. I and, used to watch know, that show. <laughs> yeah, right. And then you had to find a. Um, you know, you had to be with an agency. I think it was called Central Casting at that mm -hmm. time. And then they ended up putting me on Moonlighting. And then I ended up being one of the background actors on that show for a couple of seasons. And I, I was thrown a few lines. And that's how I got my SAG card. And the rest is kind of history. But it, it was a real struggle back then to just find anything, uh, any work because it was, people didn't know what to do with me. You know, they're like, you're very exotic looking. You look Hispanic, but you don't speak Spanish. You look half Asian, but you're not really Asian enough. Oh, but you look, you know, white, but you're not quite white enough. It was wow. so hard, you know, cause it's about type and what they're casting. Mm -hmm. you know? That's crazy. Yeah. What a story. That's so awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because first and ten's not listed on the IMDb, so I didn't know about that. But that's that's kind of cool. Cause yeah. I, yeah, and a lot of people think like my dad had something. No, I had a, mm -hmm. I had to do this on my own. You know, so now, you mentioned I'm glad. you mentioned I'm really theater glad it was on my own. Did you, you know? do theater in high school? I did, I did. I you know my again my my aunt Lilia, uh, mm -hmm. also known as Lona Nye. Uh, she was an acting teacher as well as an amazing actress. And she did uh, the TV show, uh, The King and I, with Yul Brenner when they were trying oh, to make wow. it a TV show. Uh -huh. And that's when I first got the acting, about, uh, just watching her, you know, she did such a beautiful performance. But, you know, God bless her, man. It was it was hard for her, you know, because, again, there weren't a lot of roles for mm -hmm. for Asian, you know, actresses, you know, or just for minorities in general. You know, just, you know, most of the roles back then were for Caucasians, you know, and usually if you were a minority, you would just get some kind of small little role, you know, maybe one, two, three or four lines. But she had a cool role. And then but of course, to make a living, um, she also had to teach drama in uh, Palos Verdes. She was the acting coach or teacher for an elementary school. And then she taught on the weekends, privately children. And so I would sometimes my mom would take me and I would participate in her classes, you know, and she kind of knew that I was sort of a natural. And then she would also take me um, once in a while on a, on a Saturday to go see movies that might be playing at the DGA or Screen Actors Guild, mm -hmm. you know, she needed some, she needed company, I guess my <laughs> other cousins didn't want to go, but I loved it, you know, That's so, so cool. she gave me a real taste for the business. I have to ask just because I'm, I'm a theater nerd because I have three theater kids. So uh, what was your first uh, play you did in high school and did you ever do a musical? Oh, I would have loved to have done a musical, but no, I, I don't know if anybody would want to hear me sing. I mean, I can, I can keep a tune. Mm -hmm. I can hum really well. <laughs> I was in Glee Club, but I definitely wouldn't say I'm a center stage kind of musical okay. actress. <laughs> what, was, what was your but first play I, then in high school? Um, I think, gosh, I can't remember now. This is terrible. <laughs> um, I remember the story was like a kind of like, um, oh, gosh, it was sort of like this horror spin comedy. And I'm, oh, my, I should know this. Um, it was, though, when I got older, when I joined my theater company, like Lodestone mm -hmm. and East West Players, I remember we did a workshop and I loved, my favorite role was playing Caesar and oh, Julie Caesar really? as a woman. Isn't that funny? That is cool, um, actually. Yeah. So, but that, yeah, that was a long time ago and I miss plays, you know, plays are great, <laughs> but a lot of unknown plays, you know, yeah. uh, sometimes they would have the students write uh, a story and then we all had to act and That's do our cool. thing. Yeah, it is. 
you know? Yeah, my, my oldest actually did Julius Caesar. I think it was his junior year in high school. Ooh, yeah. impressive. Yeah, my kids all got hooked at musical theater at a very, because we had a, an elementary school that had musical theater programs. So my oldest son, all three of my kids have been doing musical theater since like kindergarten. So, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, and actually well, my, my, I'm impressed. my middle son is going to the University of Utah for acting, so. Wow. Yeah, fingers, that's fingers crossed. Cool. Yeah, I love musicals. That's another thing people are surprised. I would love to even direct a musical. Um really? I loved East West Players. Oh. You know, I'm not East West. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, West Side Story, excuse me. Oh, East so West Players. West Side Story was always one of my favorites. And uh I see I think Gypsy Rose, you know, I loved just I loved musicals. So. Did you like the new version of West Side Story? I, I did, but I'm I'm so used to the original. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but I did. I liked both of them, you know. So and I love Spielberg. He's amazing. Yes. So, yeah, That's very, sure. very cool. So yeah. in, in your martial arts journey, all did you teach at all? Oh, my gosh. Yes. You did? Oh, okay. yeah. In fact, so I, um, in the 90s, mm-hmm. uh, particularly, you know, um, well, actually shortly after the death of, you know, Brandon, mm-hmm. I met my future husband. That would be Ron Balicki. And mm-hmm. he's a renowned martial artist. And he's done, gosh, he's taught for years and years. And now he's also done stunt coordinating and even fight directing, um, just amazing. But back then we were just meant to be friends, you know, and because <laughs> I had this policy, don't date any of dad's students, you know, and uh, thank goodness I broke that rule. I was a single mom and um, I was supposed to catch up with one of my dad's other students who I would work out with. And it just so happened he was running late or something and Ron was there and um, we became really tight as friends and then um, we, we started training together, you know, and mm-hmm. I loved it. And then, um, of course, we became a couple eventually in time and I would teach with him. That was okay. kind of the, the beginning of my process as a martial arts instructor. And I was a little nervous at first because, mm-hmm. you know, when you're around the martial arts world, it's predominantly male energy. I, I mean, I think I was just reading a statistic like 80 percent of martial arts instructors are men yep. and very few women. But I found in my travels with Ron, I remember going to Paris and there must have been, I think, close to 100 people there. And it was predominantly all men. And I just remember just looking at them like, where are your wives, your girlfriends, <laughs> your aunts, your daughters? Uh, what's going on? You know? yep. And uh, before you knew, the next time I came around, it was awesome. They were People were bringing uh, the women in their life to the, our seminars and so I think that was kind of the, really the the true beginning of really having my fingerprint as a, as an instructor, and you know Ron and I having that male female kind of vibe when we taught, and um, I think it worked out pretty well, nice. you know. And in time, even for me, like when I decided to start slowing down and doing stunt work because it was really hard on my body. Mm-hmm. Uh, about 10 years ago, I mean, I, I would say, no, probably around 2012, 13. I mean, I was starting to kind of be a sensei to the stars, you know. So nice. I would work with my husband, with Aaron Eckhart. I remember training <sighs> Melissa McCarthy for Spy, uh, Rosa Salazar for Alita Battle Angel. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the other people. I, I mean, there's been a few. and. Mm-hmm. You know, that was part of my process. That's kind of cool. So what do you think that thinking back to that first time teaching with Ron to now, what has changed the most about your teaching style over the years? Um, I was a little nervous because, you know, when you're a female instructor, you're never sure if sometimes when you're teaching certain men, if they're going to, you know, um, receive, you know, the information, you mm-hmm. know. Um, it's true. But, yeah. and, and I, you know, I get that because different cultures, different places, different countries, very different. But I actually 
actually found it very positive because <laughs> the funny thing is a lot of men were like, I can't wait. I want my wife to see you. And so that way she'll work out with me, you know? That's cool. So, yeah. So nice. it was a, a positive thing. Okay. Well, that's good though. I mean, that's really cool. I know that, and I've noticed, and I feel bad about this because I've noticed over the years, it, it, not recently, but I remember once I was at a tournament, local tournament, and there was like some instructors talking to some, I don't know if they're parents or whatever. And one of the moms was asking a question. One of the instructors actually said this when there's like five women standing by, he goes, well, who would you rather have teach you how to fight a man or a woman? And I was like, are you serious? You just said that? I'm like, I'm like, if one of our female black belts would have been there, she probably would have kicked his butt. <laughs> like, oh, geez. my. I'm like, yeah, who do you my. want to teach you to fight right now, buddy? Oh, it's my like, gosh. I know. Yeah. And, I but, mean, it, considering that there are so many amazing, you know, female martial arts, and then historically, there have been amazing uh, women warriors, mm-hmm. and my gosh, I mean, there's Wing Chun, for yeah. goodness sakes, yep. which is a very popular martial art. So, And, and what's funny is even when my, when I show, my first probably like – 30 guests that I had scheduled. I maybe had three women. I'm like, I need to find more female guests. And like, it's just, you know, so I, I purposely started looking for some. <laughs> like, oh, I need, wow. You know, but, but even Isn't if I look at over, you know, over a hundred episodes, it's, it's probably maybe one out of every five. You know, I, I, I wish it was 50-50. Yeah. I mean, there really does need to be um, more female instructors. Yes. I do think you'll find them. You Listen, I, I've done, I've you know, what I used to do, Ron and I not only have taught in Europe, but we would also teach across the country. And so you will find teachers, mm-hmm. female teachers, and from rural communities uh, to to big cities, you know. Maybe they don't may not have the big names, but they're out there for sure. Yeah. But uh, definitely nowhere near the kind of number you see with men. But I kind of feel we're entering a new time, actually, particularly for women culturally. And you are starting to see women, you know, uh, especially like in film and TV, Mm -hmm. you know, portraying, you know, female warriors. And I think this is a good thing. You know, I would have loved to have seen more of this, you know. Uh, One of my heroes for me was Michelle, you know. I I was just going to mention her. Yep, definitely. Yeah. um, I mean, I mean, she's incredible. What a role model, you know. And I was thinking about Angela Mao when mm-hmm. when I was a little kid with Uncle Bruce. I mean, oh my gosh, she was incredible. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. we still have some ways to go, but there's definitely glimmers of hope out there, you know, that are showing men and women that you know women can also have their place in in the martial arts. Uh, world and even yeah. someone like a ronda rousey i mean you know the you know, when you know dana white said i'll never have a woman in the ufc i remember like, that. two years later ronda's it? like i proved him wrong <laughs> yeah yeah you know uh it's uh definitely things are changing for sure so that's good um yeah so i'm curious what do you remember about and talk a little bit about your your first black belt test Kind of what was that well, like? Well, let me let me explain to you. So I, you have to remember, I grew up doing Filipino martial arts okay. and Jeet Kune Do, and there's not really a belt system. Okay. You know what I mean? Not yeah. not every system or style has belts. That's kind of yep. relatively a, a thing that you see more and more, maybe definitely in like Japanese cultures, mm-hmm. and I know Korean cultures, and then here commercially in the martial arts industry, for sure, that is something, you know, you see. And, but sometimes... What you do is you see ranking can be through patches. I've seen uh, people ranked through just in Filipino March where they're given a certain stick with a certain color on it. 
Uh, in Jeet Kune Do, um, in the early days when my godfather was, uh, really it was Jung Fung Gung Fu mm-hmm. or Chinese Gung Fu, um, they used to do the circles. It was a t-shirt and a circle meaning emptiness, you know, and sometimes the color would change or the color of the shirt, but never, it wasn't a belt system in his uh, system at all whatsoever. Okay. So then do you, get, do you get like certified as an instructor then in the I system? I do. Okay. I am the equivalent. I'm, it's so funny now that people, I should explain something like, for mm-hmm. instance, under Fred Degeberg, uh, Degeberg Academy in Chicago, they gave me an honorary uh, black belt, like I believe it was six degree. And my dad signed on the paper because, you know, it's hard, you know, you can be, how do I say this without, I don't want to sound controversial, mm-hmm. but it, it really comes down to the man or woman. Like for instance, you can have somebody with a black belt and maybe have a certain amount of knowledge in their, in their particular study and in style, but then you put them against maybe I've seen Muay Thai fighters yep. take out black belts, oh, you know, yeah. and they're not, they're not black belts. Do, do you understand? So yeah, it really right. comes down and, and I do agree with my godfather about this. It, it comes down to the individual. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Individual man and woman. And so I know there might be a quest to measure oneself by black belts and, and, and how many degrees, but really the journey of studying the journey of absorbing knowledge, that's an unlimited, you know, journey. I mean, you know what I mean? It's, it's, how do you cap that with a a degree or a belt or anything? So that's what I would say philosophically. I love that. That's a great answer. I'm just, I'm just kind of curious now, you know, we lost Bruce when you were about seven, if my math is right. Yeah, 1973. Do you remember much about him at all? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Really? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he would, yes, uh, definitely. He's he was quite the figure in the, in you know in our in our lives. We would go over there uh, to their home. They would come over to our home. Um, there was time where I remember uh, that they had to leave for Hong Kong, and then he would come back again. I remember. Oh my goodness! When he did come over, everybody like looking over the fence, saying, "Look, look!" <laughs> you know, it's Cato, and I'm like, "Who the heck are they talking about?" Because you remember, TV wasn't quite developed the way it is now. Yep. Um, uh, it was black and white. <laughs> I didn't know what the heck they were talking about. <laughs> and then, of course, I remember my mother. God, she was so funny because, you know, she was a stay-at-home mom and raised us and took care of us, but. You know, sometimes dad and Uncle Bruce would like to break boards and they would make a mess and she would come out yelling like, pick up this mess. I do not want to pick this up. No, I mean, I remember those kinds of That's great. moments of upbringing, you know, and then, you know, Uncle Bruce saying, sorry, Don, I, I didn't get you in trouble. You know, <laughs> it was just funny now that I look back at it. It was That's hysterical. Hilarious. That's so cool. That's just, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like you said, and I've talked to a few people and I talked like Ed Parker Jr. was on the show and he's like, same thing. He's like, he, he wasn't. Bruce Lee, the figure, he was my dad's friend. <laughs> it was like, he, yeah. was, he wasn't famous to us. He was Uncle Bruce, like you said. <laughs> so Right, exactly, exactly. And and he was so funny. Oh my gosh, he really? was so funny and uh, hysterical. I mean, I get a little sad because I always feel the world only knows like what is presented in Enter the Dragon or his mm-hmm. other movies or what they see in interviews. And there's just so much more to him and his presence. Yep. And he was just such a family man. And then he also had a huge circle of friends. So he really had this inclusive environment. And you got to remember now, this is the 1960s into the 1970s. Mm-hmm. We're talking the heels of, you know, the civil rights movement. And I think he was way ahead of everything. And, you know, in the Chinatown school, I mean, he had such a diverse uh, student body of instructors on him and students under him. And 
you know, that was like a microcosm to the, the United Nations for me, you know, that, I mean, it was so mixed to the diversity and, and I get where that was maybe threatening maybe to some more traditional groups, but it needed to happen. It needed to happen because by sharing the art of martial arts, whatever your background might be, mm-hmm. it's really like being an ambassador for your art, you know, and yeah. my dad, you know, my dad, uh, since that time has really kept the same spirit up. And if you go by his academy, I mean, or to any of his seminars worldwide, of course, the pandemic has kept everybody pretty much grounded for a long time. I mean, but, you know, he's kept up that same spirit. Which is great. Yeah. And, and I don't, I'm trying to remember, I don't know if I've ever met your dad. I, cause I used to, I lived in California for about a year. And I went to the um, Ed Parker's tournament in 95 when I was just visiting, deciding to move out there. And I met so many martial artists that weekend. <laughs> and yeah. I, I met like Benny the Jet Yurkides and, you know, people like that. And I can't remember if your dad is at that one or not, because I know he was on the list of people I wanted to meet. So I don't remember. Oh, yeah. And he's 86 now. You know, wow. he's getting up there. You and he's know? still doing it. That's so cool. He still does it. And um, I'm always, you know, um, concerned and worried about him overexerting himself, but he seems to be just fine. You know, <laughs> I mean, I think that's what keeps him young, you know, and he loves to teach, you know, that's he good. really does. We love when he teaches because he's the, that knowledge is so great that he's, you know, still yeah, out there sharing and, it with people. Yeah. And people don't realize, I mean, um, he's such a diverse, eclectic. I mean, and when I say he's carried on that spirit, I mean, he is, he keeps that empty your cup approach all the time. So, you know, I, I witnessed a man, that man, we, you know, know, the world knows as Dan Asana, but I've witnessed him, you know, learn an array of different martial arts styles and systems and not be prejudicial or bigoted just because it might come from a different, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? He really is open-minded about really studying every art and, and he's helped open the doors for so many people to bring and share into this country. A lot of people don't know that. So sometimes he would help with the immigration papers. You know, I remember with uh, uh, Hicks and Gracie, Mm -hmm. you know, one of the first, and he wrote a letter, you know, that he felt that uh, Hicks and Gracie could bring something um, really wonderful into the country. Um, And then I know he's helped, being an advocate for like um, Silat, Indonesian mm. Silat, mm-hmm. for French Savat, which still a lot of people don't know what French Savat yep. is. Um, Thai boxing, you know, Muay Thai. Um, I mean, and the list goes on, you know, wow. different. So he really, um, European martial arts, meaning mm-hmm. fencing, sword work, you know, because he does not see, he doesn't see that as different. A lot of people don't even look at fencing sometimes as martial arts. I'm like, oh, no, 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 that's a martial <laughs> art. That, yep. Yeah, that's a martial art, you know. So, yeah, so wow. my dad's always been a, an amazing advocate. And and you think about that, you know, like even sword play, like a lot of people don't realize mm-hmm. like and do some of the footwork comes from fencing. They don't realize that, even though the, the upper body might look more like traditional Chinese martial arts or Wing Chun or Western boxing, but the footwork and some of the strategies and philosophy comes from fencing, you know, and it's because uh, Uncle Bruce's brother, Peter, was a champion fencer yep. and they used to play around and Grace would yell at them like, stop it, you're going to break a vase <laughs> or something like that, you know, in that spirit. And uh, so they had, a, instead of swords, they used hands, you know, so they were quite, he was quite creative. Wow. Such great stories. That's so cool. And I tell you, one of the biggest things that bothers me, and I see people online, oh, Bruce Lee's not a, he's a movie martial artist, not a real martial artist. Like, I didn't oh, know him. Yeah. I never met him, yeah, but I, I've yeah, talked I to know. enough people who knew him. 
<laughs> yeah, no, no, no. He was definitely a real yes. martial artist, folks. He really, uh, he was definitely a real martial artist. I mean, you could, my <laughs> my father, and my father was a military man, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he would tell me stories like they would try to train in the Chinatown school and almost Every week or every other week, there was always somebody trying to challenge him and he would go down, you know, uh, keep the class going. And he would go outside and fight somebody off. And, you know, everybody's looking through the window. It was kind of funny in a way, you know, Uh, and then he'd come back in and go, "Okay, let's let's work out some more. I mean, he was always having to chase away or confront people that would, you know, try to always challenge him. But Mm -hmm. no, he was definitely a real martial artist and he was definitely a real researcher and you know what he did for martial arts in this country and around the world was so important because he created a huge industry and Mm. then there's sub parts of that industry so you have you know if you're somebody that wants to teach martial arts and have a school that is now a business Mm -hmm. you know and we didn't really have that quite a bit uh in the 60s and 70s not a whole lot we now have more the sports aspect you know from ufc you know right right? all these other you know taekwondo and you know the olympics right and then you have uh you know now the entertainment part of it you know so um, where you're seeing action, like in John Wick, um, yeah. you know, so it's just, it's pretty amazing that we can all be thankful for what he was able to do and the doors he's opened. Oh, completely. I guarantee he was the first one. I, I mean, I was, I was born in 74. So unfortunately he was gone before I was born, but he was the first movie, martial arts movie I saw. It wasn't the movie that got me into it, you know, because when I saw Bruce, I'm like, there's no way I could ever do that. <laughs> so, yeah. but I just, as a fan, I was like, wow. So yeah, his, his impact will live on forever, definitely. Oh yeah, and it's so amazing too. I think there is also the. Um, I think what also helps people, you know, feel connected to him also is being the underdog. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? I, I it's amazing. I can go into a small village like in Italy, and there's like postcards of my godfather. It freaks <laughs> me out sometimes. I'm like, whoa, I didn't expect. You know, but it's amazing how connected um, people feel. And I just think it's because they relate to his story or his stories um, that he's had to convey through his characters and, and rising above the fray. And it's quite impressive, you yeah, know, definitely. Yeah. So I definitely want to talk about this because this movie, I loved the sensei so much. I cried when I watched it. It's such, Ooh, and I, I, I'm, I'm actually going to be watching it with my daughter soon. Cause she loves movies that I grew up on and stuff and that I watched. And, and so she, she right now we're going through an eighties movie kick <laughs> watching a whole bunch of eighties and nineties movies, but I, oh, she's already, wow. she's already read about it and she wants, she wants to watch it so badly. So we're going to be watching it. Yeah. But, well, it's funny because the storyline takes place in the eighties, although it was filmed exactly. in, Yes. Yeah. It was released in 2010 officially. Kind of so, yeah. talk about what led to that. Cause it's, it's such a power. If it, and people haven't seen it, you have to, it's such a powerful yeah, movie. It's such a good was, movie. Yeah. That was a scary time for me because <laughs> I did not, I was really on my own and with my husband's support, Ron Balicki, who was the producer. And then mm-hmm. my other manager, Tara Kiteman, who was also a producer as well. But I just felt, I kind of knew that um, I did not like how my career was going. And um, I knew I'd been on enough sets that I felt like I could handle and understand and be familiar with the flow of a set. Mm-hmm. And and I started writing the story because I noticed in my travels as a martial artist, particularly in certain areas where it's more conservative, I, I was starting to witness from 
once in a while from time to time where sometimes martial arts schools wanted to receive people that were part of the LGBT, uh, LGBTQ community, but they were also faced with the possibility that they could lose business. Maybe they could get retaliation. Mm -hmm. And then you have to remember being biracial myself. I mean, I've seen my mom and dad had to deal with painful things where we would walk in a restaurant and um, you could tell right away, you could sense the energy when people don't approve of uh, of a mixed marriage, you know? And you have to remember my mom and dad married during a time when, you know, mixed, I mean, interracial marriage was still considered a crime in other states in our country. So with that all in mind, I suppose that probably motivated me. I said, well, if I'm going to do a movie, let it be something that hopefully really represents me and what I care about. And I just didn't want to do, I just couldn't do just a typical action-packed film. I didn't think that was my calling. You know, not that there was anything wrong with that. I just didn't feel that was calling. And um, it was hard. It was really hard to find the money and the funding. And then, you know, we started filming and then I had a couple investors fall out because, you know, some people were like, well, we'll take it over, but you got to make your lead character, you know, straight and you, you know, you can step aside now, not direct. I'm like, no, you know, no, I, I just, I knew that I was meant to finish this. I didn't care if it took me five years, I was going to finish this mm-hmm. movie, you know? And then I'm so glad I did. I, I went through some tough times because there were, I wasn't always received well and our, our production wasn't always received well by certain institutions like the school board. It was hard, but I also ended up in the Associated Press because, long story short, somebody was trying to compare our film to Columbine. And I go, whoa, 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 whoa. Wow. How could you even pull that out of your hat? First of all, just the fact that my family came from Stockton where we had our own massacre over there. Mm -hmm. I'm like, what are you talking about? And I put out a letter and including to the press uh, because I just felt they needed to know. And that put me on the radar of the Matthew Shepard Foundation, which was really important at that time. And then other, um, you know, activist groups. So really, people felt there was a need for this kind of movie. Now it's all over. You see these kinds of things all the time yep. in film and TV. But back then, and particularly coming being Dan Elisano's daughter or Bruce Lee's, you know, goddaughter. Yep. Or, and by the way, I have a second godfather. That was Richard Castillo. I should say that to folks out there. Um, he took over after us. But, you know, I mean, given the circle of martial artists I came from, some people, even in the martial arts industry, were not happy with me, you know? Really? And yeah, it was a tough time, but I just felt, you know, then what kind of martial arts teacher am I? How, who, who are we if we're going to deny people that might need our, our knowledge and our care? And, you know, I just felt it was so important. I just felt very driven. And, and I had a couple of threats too. I, I'm not happy about that, wow. you know, but yeah, there were so many more people that were like, you know, this is a great film, you know, and um, really championed it. And I'm just so glad I did. And goodness gracious, this film I did was what led me to being discovered for Star Wars Mandalorian. I, really? I, I just, yeah, I just, you would have, who would have thought, you know, that the, the sensei, my film would mm-hmm. lead to Dave Filoni doing a search because Mandalorian at that time was looking for a real real organic, authentic martial artist who could hopefully act. And <laughs> and so he and John Favreau were like, let's let's try to find somebody. So Dave Filoni, I guess, went down the rabbit hole trying to find somebody. And 
somehow he stumbled upon the trailer to my movie and clicked on it and watched it and, you know, read up on who I was. And he's like, and I guess he told John and I guess they reached out to casting and that's where I was called in and the rest is history. Wow. (laughs) That is cool. Yeah. Yeah. I I definitely want to talk about the Mandalorian a little bit, but back up a little bit to the sensei. Once it was done, first of all, it's scary to think that just like 15 years ago, you were getting threats about it. I mean, that's just so pathetic and sad. It is. But after it was done, how was it received? I mean, what kind of feedback did you get about it and stuff? Um, Really great because I had, I mean, you have to remember too, it was tough for my film because it was released Mm -hmm. right, oh my goodness, right during the Great Recession. Yep. But one thing I am thankful, um, you know, about is uh, it was one of the first digital films out there. So I was on, I believe it was Netflix at that time was one of the early ones or was it oh, Apple? Wow. I mean, we, we've, we've had, I mean, we're talking the early infancy of all these mm-hmm. streaming channels and it was not easy, you know, I think, or was it Amazon? I'm trying, I'm trying to remember now because I, I, through the years, there's been different yeah. streaming networks that have taken it on, but oh my gosh. I had people writing me saying, thank you. I use your film to to teach my class about uh, acceptance and people that are different. I've had people thank me because they felt they were suicidal and they just were so relieved that, you know, somebody from my background would care so much to make a movie like this. And, and then it ended up, uh, I even got a call out of Washington, D.C. And they wanted to give me the American Courage Award for making wow. this movie, and um, you know, and all the tribulations I had to go mm-hmm. through to make this, and uh, I it was so surreal. At first, I didn't think the call was real. I thought it was a <laughs> someone's pranking you. Like, oh my goodness, this is real! And so I uh, I was flown into Washington D.C. and then I'm looking at faces of well-known Congress people and people um, just. Uh, activists and, you know, um, just incredible people that are movers and shakers in our society. And I just thought this is just amazing and yet surreal. And it was honestly, my heart was beating, but um, I, it's, it's led me to meet a lot of people from all walks of life. And that's something I appreciate. And all I can think about is had it not been for somebody like my godfather mm-hmm. uh, setting the example of just taking that risk, even though it's never easy, it really did open up so many doors for me. Nice. I own the DVD. I think I bought it the day it was released because <laughs> I, I, I read about it in Black Belt and none of my local theaters had it or anything. And I'm like, I need this movie. I need this movie. So yes, I watched it as soon as it was available. I ordered it. So it's, I love right. it. It's a, it's a great movie. Oh, thank, so well, thank any, you. So any recording my film. Thank you. <laughs> of course. So any uh, thoughts of directing again? Is the interest there? Actually, yes. Uh, absolutely. Um, the pandemic didn't do us any good, but I will <laughs> say there are, is a, a couple of scripts now that I'm looking at. Okay. And yes. So um, I'm hoping to follow in the footsteps of other acting directors, you know, like your Taka Watiti mm-hmm. types. You know, I mean, nice. um, yeah, I... I I really, I'm looking forward to it for sure. So, um, so stay tuned about that. Um, so we're still, it's still in the works. Very cool. That's cool. And I, obviously if we don't talk about the Mandalorian, my, my listeners will probably, you know, hang me or something. So it's, <laughs> we, 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 we got, we got to talk about it. Got some Star Wars fans. Uh, yes. Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely some Star Wars <laughs> and fans coming out, there. out real soon. March 1st, man, yeah. season three. Yes, so. I'm so, I'm so excited. Yeah. Cause yeah, we're, we're recording this episode in January. I think your episode of the podcast will come out after it's released, but yeah. Uh, 
that's, ah, that's okay. another one. I watch it with my daughter. So we'll be watching the Mandalorian when it comes out and stuff, but yes. just talk a little bit about that experience. What that was like. I mean, the fight scene was so cool. I, I, I remember I didn't realize you were in it and I'm watching the episode. I'm like, Oh my God. Oh my God. That's, that's Diana. And my daughter's like, who? Ah! <laughs> so yeah, I had to, yeah, t- I had to tell her about secret. you and stuff. Yeah, I know. I know. It was like such Extremely a surprise. Top secret. You do not mess with the mouse. <laughs> And it was funny when I was talking about having you on my show, I was at work on a break and I had your picture up on my computer, you know, looking through your IMDb and my friend's walking by who's not a martial artist. He's like, she was in the Mandalorian. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, yeah she was. Listen, that, this was such an honor to, to again, to have John and Dave and, and Lucasfilm and Disney really embrace me. I mean, that's a, a huge responsibility when mm-hmm. they pick you and they choose you. And, and you got to remember for me, I'm in my 50s now. So for them to cast me in my 50s, I, I it is just, I, I can't say what a miracle that is. Well, and you I don't look it, you, that's for sure. <laughs> um, as I got older, it, it wasn't about anymore my type anymore, being half white, half Asian, and you know how people couldn't figure out what to do with me. It now became about age. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was, and people, I could tell they didn't want to say it, weren't interested in representing me. Because of my age, you know, talent agency. They're like, oh, we have our type. But I could see, yeah, the type, but much younger. So I just thought my time is done. And I have to be at peace with that, that I did everything in my power to try to have a career. And I'm very proud. And I'm fine doing community theater. That's <laughs> fine, too, you know, and uh, and still teaching my students and with my husband, which is, um, we have an organization called Mars Action Group. So our Mars is the, the short term. So, you know, I've, I've spent years traveling, just teaching, and I was fine with that. So to get this call uh, from my manager, Tarek, who was really more focused on me now as a director, and, and don't let me begin to tell you about the kind of difficult path women directors have had at Hollywood, because mm-hmm. that's, that's a whole other thing. But it's just a privilege. And I... I remember meeting with Dave and when he told me that I was going to be doing this fight scene with Rosario, who was playing Ahsoka. And I already knew the Ahsoka character because I had spent years watching Rebels, you know, and the Clone Wars with my kids and and also seeing the movie. And I knew all he had to say was Ahsoka. I knew what my duty was, my, what my calling was for this. And I just didn't know it was going to be one of the best scar spear. <laughs> I had no idea. I thought I was going to get a lightsaber too, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I was really stunned and, um, wow, what a, what a privilege, you know, and it, that, that whole crew, just incredible. How long did that fight scene take to film? So, um, I started rehearsal. maybe a month, maybe a month and a half before. And I would work the stunt team. They would show it to me and they were working with my sensibilities. And many of them had trained already with my father. And so what I would do is record the stunt and then I would go over it with my husband, Ron. So we were training it over and over and over so I could be ready for Rosario and then, and still be able to put in the mental time to really dive into my character as uh, the magistrate. And the fight scene itself took, I remember clocking 17 hours on the set. Wow. I just remember being exhausted by <laughs> the ninth hour. I'm like going, because it's like doing boxing rounds. You know uh-huh. what I mean? You're, you're doing one to two 
two minutes before they say cut. And you, you know, that's a lot of, that takes so much energy and the costumes don't, even though they're gorgeous, don't make it easy. And then um, I'm wearing like heeled boots, um, <laughs> and not to mention inside, you know, incepts, I mean, uh, inserts to make me talk. <laughs> so that wasn't easy, you know, and you're dealing with wind and uh, you know, uh, just, it's quite a journey, you know, and it's hard to explain, but it was, quite massive. And I'm so proud and, and happy at the stunt team as well. Uh, I had Lauren Kim next to me, who was like my little sister who also trained with dad. So she helped a couple of times to give me a break, my feet a break. Cause you do, you, you really have to lean mm-hmm. in. And I know this as a former stunt woman, your actors can totally get exhausted and fatigued too much if you don't give them a break. And the stunt double is so important. I can't begin to tell you enough, you know, that's cool. So, yeah. So did you get to keep the staff? <laughs> <laughs> no, didn't you see it got melted down? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> they, they didn't let you keep it? No, they're oh. very protective of their props, their costumes. I figured. I didn't even know my name was Morgan Elspeth until the night my episode aired. Really? Did you know that? Wow. No, yeah, I ne- nobody told me. <laughs> I had a name. I'm like, Ron, I have a, my character has a name, you know? So yeah, I, it was pretty amazing to, to know her backstory. Cause they never told me this. It's that, it's that secretive on star Wars. It really is. That's crazy. Well, I want to jump in a little different direction. I want to talk about some of the books you've written and co-written and kind of what led to your, your first book. And I definitely want to talk about the curious mind of Sebastian. So. Oh, well, thank Yeah. Thank you for mentioning that. Yeah. The curious mind of Sebastian, that was, um, that was a special project because my son has, is an artist and mm-hmm. he's done this, you know, he's been an artist since he was a little boy and particularly during the early part of the pandemic, I'm like, let's just get this done. And, uh, he would draw and I just kind of wrote a very simple story that I hoped would help people understand what it is when you're a family first confronted with autism, you know, especially if you're a parent and you have your child and it can be scary because you don't, you don't know the future. And I can't begin to tell you how stressful it is because you realize now whatever narrative you had before as a parent with your child, you realize that narrative is just, is done. Right. It's a new narrative now that you didn't realize that was happening before your eyes. And so I just thought this book is special because I just wanted people to kind of, it's lighthearted and, but to know our journey and also to, to feel Sebastian's spirit in it with, through his, his drawings and his, uh, and I had a dear cousin, Tony Pilar, who was, um, used to work for a children's educational, um, publishing company. And he helped us put all the layout of the, uh, of the, of the book together, you know, it was very simple done, you know, and, um, we live in a time now, um, you know, we put it out on Amazon and I, I couldn't believe how we had such a great reaction to it, you know, and, I'm just grateful, you know, it's, it's our fingerprint in the world, you know, and, um, hopefully people, uh, will learn more what it is to deal with autism. Cool. And I will definitely put a link for that out there also. Thank you. I appreciate it. What about the, uh, the Bruce Lee life of a legend book that you, it's like you and Fiaz Rafiq wrote together. Yeah. I mean, I think I was one of many people asked to participate, but that was really Fiaz, man. He was doing the heavy lifting on that one, having to accumulate all everybody together. So, yeah, so I was just there to kind of support and bring my voice to it. And, you know, hopefully, you know, 
people will go to it, you know, but I am working on my own book right now. So cool. I'm, I'm okay. Yeah. So, um, but it's still in the works. So, um, but an uh, autobiography or another type. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay. kind of, uh, yeah. With a little humorous little, you know, take on it, you know, because I, I've had so many people when I tell them stories, you know, especially about dad or uncle Bruce or just being around Hollywood or being mixed. They're just like, why don't you write a book about this? You know, this is a complete different perspective, you know, uh, a child's perspective. Mm -hmm. So that's sort of what I'm working on right now. Awesome. I can't wait till that comes out. I will definitely promote that one and order order a copy. So cool. Thank you. So what is some advice you would give someone who's thinking of getting involved in martial arts for the first time in their life? They've never done it. And they're just wondering maybe one or two tips. What should I look for in an instructor and maybe some things I should avoid? Ooh, good question. It depends on why you want to do the martial arts. You know, there's some that have to do it because if they are in law enforcement Mm -hmm. or military, it helps to have tools of the trade. You know what I mean? And then, of course, I've met um, people who were abused or, you know, victims of crime. They're searching to recapture something to bring out and confront whatever it is that might be scary. And so martial arts can kind of help, you know, someone along that journey. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it really, first of all, depends on why, what, what is your why? Okay. Now I tend to cringe anytime I hear somebody say, yeah, I want to learn martial arts to kick ass. <laughs> that kind of student, I tend to go, mm, I think I'm going to pass. And my, you know, and honestly, in the uh, old days, even with my father or even with my godfather, if somebody said that, you know, usually they were denied. They weren't really? even allowed to go to Chinatown school. Yeah. Okay. It, it might, in fact, my godfather relied on my dad to really vet people out and make sure that the martial arts would be used in a responsible way, not That's to be cool. a bully. But I, what I get concerned about is almost, I'm, I'm, I do worry about schools that don't have a philosophy. And I, I find that if it's just all based on the physical, just the more the warrior part mm-hmm. of it and not the philosophical, that's where I worry about what kind of future martial artists are we grooming for tomorrow? You know what I mean? Right. So I personally, if I was looking and if I was a newbie, I would be looking at what is the philosophy of the martial arts teacher or the school owner? Is this about respect You know, is this about where they don't look down on being kind? Because you can still be a strong person, but also feel that there's strength in being kind. And so I would definitely look at that philosophically, I mean, as an indicator, because then you'll understand the mindset more of an instructor. I've heard of horror stories of people Mm -hmm. like, oh, I wish I would have known more because I just thought, well, this guy's a great champion or whatever, and he kicks ass and, you know, and then there's problems, you know, and then there's other people that really have an empty your cup kind of attitude. They're receptive. They're receptive to the knowledge of other schools. You know what I mean? They They don't try to look down on other teachers, you know, because what people probably don't know is most of the time when you do study martial arts, most of the time you don't have to use it. A lot of times you won't unless you want to go down that path and you really want to try UFC or something like that, Mm -hmm. or, or you want a career in the entertainment field. A lot of times people are just there because they're looking for health and well-being, you know, and that there is something real to that. And, um, so I, I, I'm like Tai Chi is a beautiful art, you know, they all have their, they all serve their own different, in different ways to, to people who are interested. And there's so many hundreds of styles out there, 
you know, soft styles, hard styles. So it just depends. What is your why? And look for the the teacher that is a decent human being and has a philosophy to them. Nice. You mentioned philosophy. So next question then, in all your years of martial arts throughout your life, is there one philosophy you've learned that just rises to the top? You keep coming back to it as part of your everyday life. Oh, gosh. I don't know because sometimes it depends on what phase I'm going through in my Mm -hmm. life or where, but I, I think lately for me, it's about being in the moment, learning to live for today. And that sounds almost like something you might even learn in yoga or meditation, but it it all is interconnected. You know, at one time, the martial arts belonged to systems where that was kind of all under one umbrella, you know, learning to meditate, learning to be in the moment, learning to breathe through stress, learning to take that time and so I try to live every day, one moment at a time, and, and to live with great gratitude. And uh, I, I just, that's kind of my spiritual path. That's what I believe philosophically. That's a great And then answer. I also believe uh, in listening to people and just to empty your cup. I mean, that is a really beautiful mm-hmm. thing. And, and I think it's a good thing, you know. Definitely. So, yeah. So cool. there you have it. I like it. All right. So I'm curious then, what are your thoughts on MMA and the UFC? And are you a fan? I mean, I have friends and colleagues that participated in it. And, nice. you know, it's a rugged sport, man. That is a rugged sport. You yeah. know, uh, my husband used to go fight in the early days before MMA took off to, in Valley Tado in Japan. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's a tough sport. Uh, and uh, I commend anybody that can enter the ring, you know. I've actually judged MMA. I would, I'd never want to get in there though. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah it's, it's a lot on your body, you know? So definitely. Yeah. All right. I have some fun questions to wrap it up. Uh, this one, okay. uh, I'm pretty sure I know at least two of the answers, but I'm, we'll see. Uh, what are three, four, five names you would put on your personal Mount Rushmore of martial arts? Ah! <laughs> no. I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm no, pretty no, sure no, if you, no, if, you don't, so if you don't, if you don't pick your dad and your uncle, there's probably something wrong, but <laughs> yeah, I got to put them up. Uh, geez. No, I don't know. No, 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 no. I mean, I can't, I just can't. Um, uh, hold on a second. Um, God, there's just been so many. And they don't have to be people, you know, and met. I mean, you know, yeah, no, I, I was Wing Chun. You got to have Wing Chun. Yep. Earl Power. <laughs> Amara Shiba. Um, nice. That's four, right? Is mm-hmm. there is it five? It, whatever. I've had people do as few as two and as many as eight. So that's kind of, it's your personal Mount Rushmore. So whatever you want to put up oh there. Oh my gosh. I don't know. This is, a, it, it's so hard because there's so many amazing martial artists. It is a tough one. <laughs> it is. I don't know. I I guess because I, I don't know why June Rhee keeps coming to mind because I loved June Rhee. Nice. You know? Yep. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I'll probably be thinking more about it tonight. Like, maybe I should have said this. <laughs> and I, I tell people, that. like, people ask me that. I'm like, well, what I tell you today might not be what I tell you tomorrow. So it could change. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. Now, this one, you, you can't pick one that you worked on, but a favorite martial arts book. Hmm. Way the Peaceful Warrior. Is that okay with Dan Millman? Nice. That's a good one. I think you're the sec- also, second person that's picked that one. So Yeah, there's also, I, I also loved uh, Chinese Kung Fu, the philosophical art of self-defense that Uncle Bruce did. I know everybody likes the Tao. I mm-hmm, get it. But, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, I liked that. That was his early stuff. There's some really cool books. Yeah. Nice. All right. And this one you might not have an answer for, but uh, I'm not sure if you ever were a video gamer. Do you have a favorite martial arts video game? 
no, I should. I was just thinking, I really need to get into video games. Everybody tells me like, you need to try this. I'm like, so yeah, this, I got to try this. this so year. Your, I'm your, kids, I'll get your kids never got you into it? <laughs> no, but I'm a, I tried and they're like, give that back to me. And I go, Ooh, this is dangerous. <laughs> I, I, I'm afraid I'll, I, I won't come out and do my motherly duties. <laughs> the kids won't get dinner, you know? So. Nice. That's actually funny you say, because back in the eighties, when we got our first ever Atari 2600 as kids. Yeah. And I remember one time my, we got Miss Pac-Man and we got, oh, we, and we got, we got, we got, yes, we got my mom yes. to try it. Um, and we just yeah, kind of, yeah, kind of yeah. forgot about it. And we came home one day, we, we left, she started playing it. We came home one day. It was like four hours later and she was still playing. And we're like, oh, I believe it. And like, I did you take it. a break? She's like, no, I've been playing the whole time. <laughs> yeah, I, I would be afraid. I would just wouldn't come up for water. My good, I mean, for air. My goodness. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. All right, these last few again can't talk about one that you've worked on or been involved in. A favorite martial arts TV show. Oh, there's so many good ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I got to tell you, my hat goes out to Shannon. Uh, Uncle Bruce would be so proud of Shannon. Warrior. Oh, my gosh. I mean, yeah, I Agreed. do like Warrior. It's it's really good. So if, if nobody's seen it, go see it. It's it's incredible. We've talked um, about it a lot on this show. It's, it's a few people have picked it, and it's it's such an amazing show. Yeah, I, I, it is. It's really good. And uh, I'm just so impressed, you know, that um, Shannon really got this off the ground and I've met, you know, I know Jason, um, I know, um, met Andrew sort of online during COVID, but (laughs) yeah, there's just so many incredible people working on that show. So yeah, I love Warrior for sure as a TV. I'm, I'm hoping to have Shannon on the show. I put a request out there and my fingers crossed I get a response. So I'm, Oh, I hope we'll so see. too, because she's doing so much with the foundation. I mean, she is such a, a hard worker and she really just puts it all out there and she's got such a, um, a lovely heart. You nice. know? Yeah. All right. Next one. How about a favorite martial arts movie? Oh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, and Enter the Dragon. All dragons. Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, and Enter the Dragon for sure. Yeah, I I love, I will always say Enter the Dragon, and I'll tell you why. Because, Mm -hmm. I mean, that was really on an international level. It was almost like how people saw Star Wars was how people felt about Enter the Dragon. Because they had never seen anything like that. And that just opened the doors wide open. And, And I love the story, and I love him. And, yeah, so those two. Okay. Ty. <laughs> Not going to pick one of your dads, huh? <laughs> oh, Game of Death. <laughs> I love Game of Death. I love I love the fight scenes, but Enter the yeah. Dragon is still something that always... And I love Return of the Dragon, too, but uh, yeah. But I love uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon because of Ang Lee. He's one of my favorite oh, yes, directors. Yes, yes. I tell you, though, with Game of Death, I, I wish... As bad as they did after he passed, and they tried to like add like the bad scenes with like the cutout face. I wish they'd yeah. go back now with today's technology and redo yeah, that. Yeah, because it, it could be so I think good. About I think that all the time. I think about that all the time. Sure. Nice. Yeah, I agree with you. All right. Now, this one doesn't have to be a martial arts movie. It can be, but it doesn't have to be. Just a favorite movie fight scene. Oh wow! God, there's so many great movie fight scenes, mm-hmm. but. I gotta tell you, I my um, I liked Ung Bak. Oh yeah, Tony Ya. Yep. Oh gosh. <laughs> um, Raid had some great. Yeah, this yep. is really hard. No, I don't. I can't. I'm not. I'm not one of these people that can just say that one. You know, but there. I okay. Never mind. Wait. I take that back. The one with between Chuck Norris and Uncle Bruce. Yeah, oh, for sure. Oh yes, Way of the Dragon. That was yep, kind of yep. cool. 
you know, and groundbreaking and um, symbolic and philosophical. And that's probably because I know why it's philosophical, you know. Yep. And the Coliseum. Um, yeah, that's yeah, so cool. Yeah, there was some because they it wasn't like boom, 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 boom. It was they took the moments to make the action dialogue. Do right. you know what I mean? Yep. They didn't even have to say dialogue to each other. You kind of could tell what they were going for. And uh, my father would tell me more about that, you know, and I thought that's really that was um, pretty magnificent. Well, before I let you go, anything I maybe haven't asked you that you want to make sure we get out there? Any anything we we need to talk about or upcoming things you want to mention? There are upcoming things, but I can't mention them. Okay, I kind of figured that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, unfortunately, there are some things on the horizon, but I uh, living in an era of NDAs, I can't even do anything. I do, I do voiceover work on the side. So I, I know about ND, I've had to sign a, not probably not as many as you, but I've had to sign a few NDAs over the years. I so. bet. I bet. You have a great voice too. Oh, thank you. I so. appreciate that. I do mo- mostly commercial stuff and e-learning stuff. I've never got into like the animation type of stuff or anything, but it's ah. fun. It's fun. I've been doing it about tw- a little over 20 years. So. Wow. That's amazing. Nice. I love that. Oh my God. It's, it's fun. Cool. Well, I just, Diana, seriously, this has been an actual dream come true it's it seriously i'm speechless i cannot express how much of an honor it is to have you on the show it's been so cool you're an amazing storyteller and and like i said the the sensei i can't wait to watch it with my daughter (laughs) absolutely can't (laughs) wait to watch it with her and 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 just continued success and and i i just so appreciate you taking the time that i know how busy you you are and stuff and i just I, i truly appreciate your time doing this Oh, thank you, Brian. And thank you, everyone out there who listened. So um, I really appreciate it. So and uh, thank you for being patient with my uh, mic skills. (laughs) (laughs) It's all good. It it worked out. That's the important thing. (laughs) Excellent. Excellent. Okay. Well, then much ado to you then and uh, to everyone else. So have a beautiful day out there. Thanks for listening to Everyday Martial Artists. We hope you will join us every week for a brand new episode with a different martial artist telling their story. If you enjoy the show, be sure to leave us a review. Also, be sure to check out our website at everydaymartialartist.com. There you can find all of our episodes and contact us to suggest guests and ask questions. Again, thanks for listening to Everyday Martial Artists, and we'll see you next week.